0: Hello, this is Emmanuel Obonaya. We'll just say a few things more about water baptism before we proceed. Still on the significance of water baptism, the next significance we want to cite today is from what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 to 15, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. Jesus shows us right here that being baptized in water is a necessary part of fulfilling all righteousness. We can see from the passage we just read that he didn't want to leave anything he should do undone. To fulfill all righteousness by being baptized in water simply means that if water baptism is left out, we would have left out something right that we should have done. Jesus came to John and John said, no, you shouldn't be coming to me. I am the one who should be baptized by you. And Jesus said, do it like that for now. Don't worry. Just go ahead. It's necessary for us to do everything that is right. And then John baptized him. From what Jesus said to John, we can therefore conclude that water baptism is an action of righteousness. The next significance I want to point out is that water baptism is a public acknowledgement of the fact that we are followers of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 32, I'm reading out of the U.S. Open English Bible. It says, Everyone therefore who will publicly acknowledge me, I too will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. Of course, we know that baptism isn't the only way that we acknowledge our submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, but as we have seen in several scriptures, it's about the very first way we see in the example of the early church that people publicly acknowledged their faith in Jesus. Now we'll move on to the fourth kind of baptism, which is baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's still much we can say about water baptism. But we've thought enough on the subject already to give anyone a good understanding of what what water baptism is about. So now we proceed. Now when it comes to being baptized in the Holy Spirit, there are some things that we need to know from the onset. As we've said earlier, to baptize means to immerse or to submerge. It means to dip such that that which is being dipped is covered under the influence of that into which it is dipped. To start off on the subject of baptism in the Holy Spirit, I want to establish, first of all, that when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit is not necessarily when the Holy Spirit comes inside you. Every believer in Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that. Romans 8 and verse 9, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says, But you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Notice that anyone who doesn't have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. This means that all who belong to Christ have the Spirit of Christ in them. I know that some people say that the expression Spirit of Christ, as used here, doesn't necessarily refer to the Holy Spirit but to the attitude of Christ. That is not correct. The following scripture shows us why. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 11, we see the exact expression used again, the Spirit of Christ. Take a listen. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 10 to 11. I'm reading out of the Living Bible. This salvation was something the prophets did not fully understand. Though they wrote about it, they had many questions as to what it all could mean. They wondered what the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about. For he told them to write down the events which, since then, have happened to Christ, his suffering, and his great glory afterwards. And they wondered when and to whom all this would happen. Notice it says the Spirit of Christ was within them. We know it wasn't until the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit came to live in all believers. But in the Old Testament, this scripture clearly shows us that the Holy Spirit was in the prophets. When David said, Take not your Holy Spirit from me, where do you think the Holy Spirit was? his hair? Or you think the Holy Spirit was in his pockets? No, the man David knew the Holy Spirit was inside him. You can see from the scripture that we just read that the Spirit of Christ clearly speaks of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit from within the prophets moved them and motioned them to speak and write about times and events that they themselves didn't fully grasp and were eager to understand. That wasn't merely a Christ-like attitude in them. It was the Holy Spirit giving them prophecies long before Jesus came on the scene. So once again, we're establishing the fact that today in the New Testament, every believer in Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit within them from the moment they got born again. God willing, we'll pick it up from here in the next one.